Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And I'm Chris, and we're the Film Flamers. And it's time for us to shoot the flames. Our monthly chat show where Chris and I sit down to talk about recent horror news and trailers, some movies that we've watched, and most importantly, comments and questions from you, our listeners. And we've got another packed month. Um, We've got a lot of questions and comments from y'all, as well as some new reviews. So let's start with the reviews, shall we? Um, I am not a monster left to say five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And um, he said, I feel like I know these guys. Every episode is a gem. These guys are both knowledgeable and funny. And as a former horror movie podcast host, I appreciate the fact that they release their episodes on a schedule and stick to it. The Black Christmas episode was probably my favorite. Hey, oh, thank you. Uh, reach out to us. Um, I am not a monster, and let us know what your horror movie podcast was. I'd like to give it a listen. Yeah, I was thinking that you must have known because uh, I I don't know who that that handle is. I, yeah, I've never seen that handle before either. So, um, mm. uh, reach out to us on social media, or you can email us. Um, I'd like to know what your podcast was. I really would like to hear what it is. So, so our next review comes from KY Bearfuzz, and I I'm not sure if that's Kentucky or KY Jelly. So I'll just <laughs> leave that out there for your imaginations. And he says, thoroughly entertaining. I just started listening to this podcast and I've been enjoying it very much. Black Christmas from 1974 is my favorite movie and their recent review did it great justice. These guys definitely love horror. I look forward to your next episode as well as catching up with past ones. Oh, thank you. I'm going to assume that it means Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) It says verifies. So I I like that part of the handle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys, because we have had some dry spells, uh, you know, for reviews. And we got, I think, three reviews in January. Uh, One was in our last shooting the flames. And these two are in this one, although we have not gotten any sense. So keep those coming guys because we really 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 appreciate it and it's actually one way you can really help us out that's right we do appreciate it and to the last three reviews thanks for breaking our dry spell keep them coming everyone so we've also uh got some comments on our episodes recently and let's start with some comments from our shooting the flames episode from february last month at rl terry says thank you for clarifying the witcher i have been trying to get into it but i cannot seem to get past the first two episodes glad to know i'm not the only one that's one of the things that i guess i i said yes yeah. uh, yeah, of course the witcher after like the fourth or fifth episode is just it's, uh it just lands and then it starts running right and it's all basically just like a setup for the rest of the season and uh, or for the rest of the series I guess. And uh, it just gets better and better, especially with a fantastic finale. So uh, I feel like like more and more uh, series are doing this where there's so much exposition, especially the ones that are based off of novels, mm-hmm. you know, where you just have to kind of get through it. Uh, I think Game of Thrones suffered from the same thing. And I'm going to mention a series later in this episode that suffers from the same thing. So stay tuned. And I still need to watch The Witcher. So yeah. Lachlan from Facebook said, after listening to the episode, I went to look at a trailer for Sonata and I am sold. Also, I am there for Ouija Shark. (laughs) So we didn't know that Sonata was actually like already released on streaming when I was talking about it last time. So Robert immediately went and watched it. And of course, I'm the one that that brought that trailer to to the thing. And I still haven't seen it because he told me that it wasn't that good. Well, yeah, I was super sold on that trailer, you know, and um, I'm going to talk about the movie a little later 
later on in this episode um, and give some more, you know, detail to it. But I mean, I did uh, comment back to Lachlan on Facebook and said, um, it's a little wah wah, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we had a comment from our deep dive on Bram Stoker's Dracula from at the real GL Hal Jordan. It's a shame Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein didn't get the same publicity. I think this and Coppola's Dracula make a fantastic double feature. Um, I can see that. Yeah, you know what? I've only seen Frankenstein parts of it, you know, Kenneth Branagh's. And I, I really do need to go back and see it. And I'd love to, I, I love the idea of that as a double feature. I really do, I really do need to go back and, 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 and watch that again. Uh, I but, watched it in the theater when it came out when I was younger, and I I don't know if I've seen it since. But I remember liking it quite a bit. I'm just uh, I'm curious though at your nerdery. Do you understand that that handle, the screen name? Is it the Green Lantern? Yes. Okay. <laughs> my <laughs> my nerdery is intact. Okay. I just keep it hidden way way down so people will like me more. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Oh my God. So, <laughs> Wow. Okay. So from our hot take of Dr. Sleep at Jake Harbin said, just listen to the movie review for Dr. Sleep and it's a good freaking time. Check it out. Definitely check out Dr. Sleep. Five stars for me. Well, we agree here. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Mm -hmm. Um, She has been taking our recommendations very seriously and she posts them on Twitter just about every time she sits down to watch it. She'll tag us in it. So keep them coming. We always want to know what you think, Jay. Yeah, we do. Uh, we got a whole slew of comments um, on our top ten horror romances episode. Far more than I was expecting, actually. Yeah, so I we're think glad. this kind of yeah. like hit on a high note. We were a little nervous that we were kind of reaching there, but it was actually once we sat down to do the research, like they just kept coming, uh, and we left a lot on the cutting room floor, so it was fairly easy. Um, at Eat Samario says, "Oh man, Gomez and Morticia Adams, yes." I'd never really considered horror movie romances before. How about King Kong and Anne Darrow? Would that be considered kind of horror? Or the two T-Rexes in the Lost World Jurassic Park returning to save their baby and killing together? Uh, well, definitely King Kong. <laughs> well, yeah. And you know what? Like monster, you know, movie monster horror. Like that's definitely a subgenre to me uh, in horror or if not, you know, horror adjacency. So totally. You're right on. Yeah, and I commented right back to him after he sent that because I am kicking myself now for not thinking about King Kong and Andera. That's such a like classic, iconic horror romance. Like it's it was just... beauty that killed the beast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. Excellent choices. Um, I haven't seen The Lost World in a very long time, so I don't kind of remember that reference yeah i but. yeah I, i've seen it several times and i don't remember that really so maybe i just need to revisit it's certainly time yeah at rl terry said i love your number one pick to be honest i didn't think of healthy strong relationships lol <laughs> i was i was only thinking of forbidden or tragic ones <laughs> and that's that's fair man like yeah. that's 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 a huge component of horror romance is the tragic ones but we were you know the ones that really stuck out were like the the really strong healthy beneficial and helpful relationships you know well maybe not like Lestat and louis they're not no, quite so healthy no, but, but. I, as far as our like number one pick or even morticia yeah you know, number one in the number two on, yeah yeah <clears throat> we really do like the freelings and um i mean we'll always love poltergeist for the rest of our lives at cody underscore landman says some great picks here ed and lorraine warren are my fave i also love lee and evelyn in a quiet place you can totally oh, yeah. feel the love uh-huh love and protection they have of each other and the fact that john and emily are married and naturally adorable adds to it that's true 
100% agree. Yeah, and I'm kind of kicking myself, man. That's Damn. a good choice, right? Cody. <laughs> I know. Good for you, Cody. God, and they are adorable. My God, both of them. They're just like one of the prettiest couples. John Krasinski, yeah. I think, is just super hot. Now we've got excellent additions from Misa Mario and Cody Landman, so mm-hmm. thank you. Michael from Facebook said, I agree on the idea of covering Heathers. I put that on there just so we can go ahead and add it to the docket. At some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one's against the idea. We both love Heathers. So yeah, it's, gently with a chainsaw, it's going to happen. It's going to happen hopefully uh, pretty soon. So keep, uh, keep posted to the feed and you know, you'll see it. We also got the very, very rare email <laughs> from one of you. <laughs> and that comes from Nikki. And uh, she was uh, sending us an email with a subject line of dropping a little note of thanks. And she says, I've been listening to y'all for a few months now, and I keep going back to the older episodes. My hubby and I love watching horror movies together, so I jot down tons of suggestions from you. Last night, we watched It Follows at your suggestion, and I loved it. But they're not all winners. I'm about to watch Dark Crystal series at your recommendation. I loved that movie as a kid. Thanks and keep it up. Love listening and I love Robert's laugh. Oh, thank you, Nikki. <laughs> it was a very nice note. And we went yeah. back and forth a couple of times. I still need to respond uh, as of this recording to you, Nikki. But I feel like you've been on Twitter talking yep. with Robert. So, And I enjoy that very much. I love it when people you know, comment and start a whole conversation on there. It makes me happy. <clears throat> and I will say, like uh, before we started doing this podcast, I hated my laugh. Always hated my laugh. I thought it was just way too loud and cackly. But um, when people comment on it now, I, I'm growing to love it myself. So. Wow. Okay. Well, that's weird. Yeah. Because that's one of the reasons I knew the podcast was going to work because you have such an interesting, like, <laughs> I just, I don't know. Every time, because I think everything is funny and I laugh like very often and loudly and I always think I'm annoying people. So it's good to know that maybe I should continue laughing in public. So it's, it's horror adjacent. It's very infectious. <laughs> Um, so we got a question from at Itzamario. Uh, he says, I hear you and other U.S. podcasters talking about cinemas like the Alamo Drafthouse and AMC. Are they the main cinemas you can choose from? What are your options like? So um, Itzamario is from Australia. Okay. Okay. Um, we actually have a lot of thoughts on movie theaters and chains. Yes, we do. Yeah. So I love my Alamo Drafthouse when I was back in Dallas. And of course, that's a chain that started in Austin that's slowly growing across the states. I keep waiting for them to open one up um, in Boston or Boston adjacent. But uh, Alamo Drafthouse is excellent because they don't really show... advertisements it's all about movies and they have a custom pre-show before a lot of the movies that they show that they put together uh, themselves just to show you any kind of references and sometimes you can think during the movie oh that's why they put that clip in you know and so it's uh sometimes they have interviews and things like that and and they'll have actual events but they're definitely cinephiles and so that's why i love alamo draft house so much we talk about amc because they have a subscription model where you can go see like three movies a week for like 20 bucks a month or something like that which no one does and they make all their money from concessions but you know um one other thing about alamo draft house we like versus amc is that alamo draft house used to at least have kind of a zero tolerance policy on talking and cell phones and stuff in the theater which yeah we both hate so much um now that's been kind of hit or miss but you know, my experience with AMC has been they have a hundred percent tolerance of that sort of thing. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not we'll a see. big fan of AMC that much. Um, so 
<clears throat> also, the Alamo Draft House serves food and liquor and beer, and I mean, I like that. I enjoy having a, you know, a nice cold beverage while watching a movie. And uh, one of my favorite things about that particular chain is that, like Chris said, they are cinephiles, and they will go back and they will show older movies or fan favorites, and they'll have these really good, awesome viewing experiences for you to go and enjoy. Oh yeah, um, I <laughs> they had a Lord of the Rings marathon for the extended versions, and it was like almost oh. all day, and they had first and second breakfasts and everything else. And they served us like, <laughs> and they served us mimosas and like donuts and like, and then it went on to the dinner and stuff. And uh, they didn't even have to take breaks between the movies. Cause the credits are all 30 minutes long <laughs> for each movie. <laughs> so no, it was great. You know, and I've done, uh, I think they did uh, the whole bloody affair for kill bill where they kind of cut the two movies together. And that was amazing, you know? So, uh, you know, I knew recently uh, I really wanted to go cause they let in January, they were doing like this champagne, movie watching experience of steel magnolias with, and it was a quote along she could just go and yep. say everything out loud and i was like this is perfect i'm gonna go get props real- for a lot of those yes too. i yeah. mean it's just a really cool place you know and so like in america i would say that there's been a, a real shift toward like a a dine-in experience when watching a movie so we have tons of chains that offer meals and a full bar and things like that so i think that's the way that america is going do you have theaters like that in australia i mean i hope so and um I mean, let us know what you think about this and tell us like what your experiences are, you know, down under. We'd like to know. We got a new patron. Yay. Thank you, Lachlan Hightower, for becoming our newest patron. Uh, you comment a lot and we really, really appreciate that. And we'd love you to keep on doing that. I hope you're enjoying all of the new, the uh, bonus content, the hours and hours and hours of bonus content that we have over there. If you've gotten a chance, uh, let us know. Yeah. So Facebook does this thing where they, they, they put people who comment a lot and they call them like top fans or whatever. And Lachlan has been our top fan over on Facebook for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the family. We really appreciate it. And, um, we hope you enjoy. So I saw an article and the headline caught my eye. It says Colin Minahan is set to direct what is believed to be a remake of Urban Legend. And this is, um, what, early 2000s, late 90s teen okay. horror, right? And yeah. um, But Colin Minahan, I, this is why I put it on there, is like my new favorite horror directors. Every really? movie that he puts out, I love. So um, What Stains the Sand Red and um, What Keeps You Alive are two of my like recent favorites of his and so i don't care okay. what he's doing i'm gonna go watch it and honestly i, I liked that movie when i was younger i had no problem with it it could probably stand a remake so okay there's really no news about anything else though it's just that he's gonna make it known for directing annabelle wish upon and the silence john r leonetti is next on board to helm lullaby a horror film that will star una chaplin from game of thrones she played the uh the wife of uh or the soon-to-be wife of the guy at the Red Wedding, and she got stabbed in the stomach when she was pregnant? Oh, she was Rob's. Rob's Rob, Rob Stark's fiance squeeze. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She was on the, the show for maybe a season. But yeah, anyway, I thought that was super interesting. Well, and it's supposed to be based on Lilith, right? Is what yes. this movie is? Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't seen too much of that in horror movies. I know that she's mentioned, and there's been a couple, uh, but... I think that's super interesting. And I think that she finds something that does summon, you know, uh, Lilith or whatever, but whatever that incantation is, is like super helpful to her life in some way or something. So it's an interesting twist on that whole thing. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. 
Well, do you remember that uh, video game trailer that we had on Shooting the Flames a couple months ago for Diablo? Yes. That was Lilith, Lilith too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. I mean, it's a really underused mythological figure. I know it's from, like, Jewish, Jewish mythology. It's Adam's first wife. And, I mean, like, the namesake of Lilith Fair and things like that. So, hopefully, we'll start seeing a little bit more of her in some horror yeah, movies. Yeah, I, like I think that. she's also supposed to be the... Uh, uh, the descendant of the White Witch from the Narnia series is Lilith. Oh, really? Rob just watched those, and he was talking about reading the books. And I'm like, well, it's a whole biblical allegory. So we were talking about, you know, because I had to read that in college. And Some of the best fiction comes from biblical allegory, as we know. Yes. And horror, too. Agreed. So uh, last up on our horror news, Eli Roth is set to direct a Borderlands adaption, a post-apocalyptic horror land. I don't know what Borderlands is. Okay, so Borderlands just came up with their third game, but I mean, like a year ago? And okay. uh, I never got into it, but I've seen people play it, and I played it a little bit multiplayer. But it's uh, one of those post-apocalyptic worlds where there's like mutants and monsters and politics and uh it's kind of like a a gold rush for like i think alien artifacts or whatever is the the thing in this uh in the story so it's going to be really interesting seeing eli roth direct something like that because that could really put his you know i haven't seen him do much lately uh as far as directing so I, i feel like uh it'll be really interesting to see what happens with his career and how well of an adaption this is because it's gonna have to please you know horror and sci-fi fans as well as you know the people that are you know frothing at the mouth for this game so he has got a difficult task ahead of him well very much like colin minahan i mean like i feel like eli roth can sort of do no wrong in my eyes like i, I really like every movie that he makes for the most you know i can't think of one that i disliked even that one the last one he directed with jack black like the house with the clock in the wall or whatever okay. like even that was good to me and i don't typically like movies like that i haven't seen so, that it's i mean it's real family oriented there's a lot of horror adjacency in there though but it was it was funny and it was yeah. cute okay. a departure for eli roth but didn't they have kate blanchett in it it did. Yes. Oh. What an interesting yeah. pairing. <laughs> well, the three of them really was yeah. an interesting pairing. So, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know anything about the game. So uh, when he makes it, I'll definitely watch it. It'll be good to go in with, like, fresh eyes yeah. for me, I suppose. All right. So one last piece of news, and I'm sure that everyone already knows this by now, but I'm, we're going to count this as a win for horror for once. Parasite totally fucking cleaned up at the Oscars this year. <laughs> <laughs> And there was so much anger about it. Did you see Trump's tweets about yes, it? Yes, that was so fucking stupid. What an idiot. I swear <laughs> to God. He, he would ever watch that movie. Like, he knows how to read anyway. God. <laughs> but uh, I was watching the Oscars at a gay bar in Las Vegas, and I was having such a good time. And every time Parasite won something, I was just thrilled. I mean, I know this is, like, squarely horror adjacent, but I think a lot of the horror community really embraced that movie. And rightfully so. And it's an amazing film. I think it won like best picture, best director, best screenplay, best international film. Like it really did clean up. And, you know, we're always hoping for, you know, some horror, horror adjacent wins at the Oscars. And this year was just, you know, a gold, a golden year for us. Agreed. So congratulations. Coming soon. So, um, I watched a trailer for this movie called Run that's coming out on Mother's Day that stars Sarah Paulson from American Horror Story fame, where she plays like like, sort of this really terrible, overbearing mother, and 
her daughter is like trying to escape or starting to realize that something's wrong with her life and her upbringing. And I mean, in true Sarah Paulson fashion, she looks completely fucking terrifying in this movie. Yeah. I'm getting all kinds of like, um, Margaret White vibes from her. Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Sarah Paulson is always great in everything she does, so I can't wait just to to at least appreciate the performance. Yes. I mean, yeah, it may not be a good movie, but I know that Sarah Paulson always, like, acts her ass off whenever she's in something. Did you ever see 12 Years a Slave? Yeah. She's so good in that movie. She's such a bitch in that movie. All she did was throw something across the room at someone's head. That's like the only scene I think she's in besides like one or two others. Where she's yeah, she picked up that there. big heavy thing and just threw it at Lupita Nyong'o. It's just like me and Rob were watching that movie together and I gasped. I was like, oh, what a bitch. Just like, no, she did good. She was convincing. She sold there yet again, no small parts. And she sold that thing instantly just with her face and there's a slight change in how she holds herself just with that smug contempt on her face oh god she's a good actress she really is next up we've got spiral from the book of saw and i have no idea how the fuck this thing is happening because this is produced and uh starring chris rock and samuel l jackson like what (laughs) so yeah there's some news came out Last year, I think we may have had it on a very, very early Shooting the Flames episode, like way back when we first started doing these. We talked about how Chris Rock was going to be producing a Saw movie, or, I mean, and um, there was no word about what it was supposed to be, if it was going to be a remake, a reboot, or what. But this seems like they're just sort of borrowing from Saw a little bit, because it's not Jigsaw. Well, I'm not sure. Like, I lost track after the third one. Uh, and I think there's been 18. So I have no idea. Um, you know, not to belittle the Saw series for you fans. I just haven't seen anything after the third one. But it just, it it looks kind of like very much its own thing. But at the same time, I had to know. So I looked and it, and it, it turns out that I guess Chris Rock met someone from Lionsgate at a wedding. And they just like hit it off or whatever. And so uh, he's a big fan of the series. And so he was like, hey, here's my take on it. I'd, I'm really you know, passionate about this series. And I'd like to bring some like comedy to it, but also like keep it really reverential to the series. And he got Samuel, Samuel L. on board. And, and, you know, the rest is history, I guess. We'll see what happens with it. I mean, it looks really dark and gritty. It looks very, like, Seven, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> I'm getting lots of Seven vibes from it. And honestly, I'm just going to go see it just from that one line from the trailer where Samuel Jackson's like, you want to play a game, motherfucker? <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, hell yeah. He was contractually <laughs> obligated to say that. <laughs> I'm sure it was his idea, too. <laughs> Get this motherfucking saw puppet off this motherfucking plane. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. <laughs> I can't wait. (laughs) Uh, Lastly is a trailer for a movie called Human Capital, which has some big name stars in it. It does. It's got Leo Schreiber and uh, Marissa Tomei, Peter Sarsgaard, as well as Maya Hawke that we saw in, I guess, Stranger Things season three. And she is Uma and Ethan's son or daughter. (laughs) She's Uma and Ethan's daughter. <laughs> what is that funny? I don't know. <clears throat> like particularly so it, it looks like a straight up thriller. Um, they're keeping things pretty close to the chest uh, here as far as like what exactly is going on. But it looks like, you know, there's some, there's like two main plots, right? There's one that's going on with the adults and there's one that's kind of going on with the kids. There looks like there might be a little, there might be a little bit of real life horror with like an affluenza thing going on. 
Um, uh, and what I mean, if, if you don't know what affluenza is, it's when a rich kid can get away with anything and there's cover ups and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, uh, I'm not really sure what's going on in this trailer, but it looks like a lot of good acting is, and it looks dark and thriller-ish, so I'm on board. Yeah, all things that I like in movies. Plus, I mean, any chance to watch Marissa Tomei, like, she breaks down so well in movies, right? So, I mean, Not as good as Sarah Paulson. (laughs) (laughs) I love my cousin Vinny, but anytime I get a chance to see her do some dramatic work, I just love it. So I'm totally on board for that. So as usual, we've got all of the trailers for these links wait reverse that we've got all the links for these trailers in the show notes so check those out recommendations uh so this is the part where chris and i talk about some movies or tv shows that we have watched recently who wants to go first I'll go first. Um, I picked up the 4K rendition of Dr. Sleep that includes the director's cut Blu-ray. So for those of you that want a 4K version of the director's cut, I'm sorry that you're probably not going to get it because it is showing up in the Blu-ray. However, the good news is that the Blu-ray is just as good or better of a presentation as far as color contrast and the look and feel of it. I mean, uh, even the Blu-ray reviewers uh, for it that give ratings on such things gave it a five out of five stars and they were frankly shocked that they were able to get that much quality onto a blu-ray so don't hesitate to pick this up the the director's cut is split into chapters right and it adds 30 minutes of time to an already kind of longish movie right but it just feels more organic it feels much more flowy in a way it just it flows better uh from beginning to end and it's a superior experience uh i already rated the first one like a four or four and a half or something maybe a five star i forgot but uh, this is even better and so if you want the definitive version check out the director's cut because they knew what they were doing when they were shooting it and they have completed effects completed music everything for it as if it was the definitive and i think it is the only reason it wasn't released was because it was just too long to put into theaters so check it out i'm certainly going to i cannot wait to to watch it so it's um it's on my my queue to to purchase and when I have a, a moment to sit quietly and enjoy the thing, I'm, I'm going to. So, uh, so like we mentioned earlier, uh, talking about Lachlan's comment from Facebook, I watched the Sonata. So this is a trailer that we talked about just last month, and we thought that the trailer looked awesome, that it had some promise. We were hoping for maybe some sort of like religious horror in it, and um, it's so disappointing. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's like one of the most boring movies that I've seen in a very long time. There's just not a whole lot going on, really. And um, what is going on is super predictable. Um, I kind of liked the main actress in it. Her name escapes me, but she she was decent. Um, what's sad, though, is that I think that this is Rutger Hauer's last movie. Oh. And... Um, he just didn't get to go out on a high note, you know? I mean, like, he's enjoyable in it, like he is in, in everything that he's in. But um, the movie itself, to me, was very lackluster and, like I said, very predictable and kind of didn't make any sense. So, I don't know, just a whole lot bad going for it. I think on Letterboxd they gave it, like, two and a half stars, or maybe just two stars. Well, actually, Rutger Hauer has two more films coming out uh, posthumously. So he's got a movie called Emperor, where he plays John the Constant, and there's another one called Break, where he plays a character called Ray. So those are yet to be released. Well, good. I don't want this to be the very last thing that people see of him. (laughs) So... 
because it was not a good movie. Now, of course, I mean, like I say that and I encourage everybody to go and and watch these movies, even if I mean, because just because we don't like it doesn't mean that that you won't um, go check it out. Um, I need to message Lachlan and see if he watched it or Lachlan reach out to us on Facebook and let us know what you think of Sonata if you watched it. Next up, I've been watching the new Star Trek show Picard. I was a big uh, The Next Generation fan as a uh, kid, teenager, adult, whatever. Um, and I have to say, it's it's really good. And there is some pretty horrific, horror-adjacent stuff in there that would have never have been on the original Star Trek series, any of them. Um, there is some pretty nasty stuff going on. Uh, with the uh, Borg, as usual, that's our source of a lot of body horror in Star Trek, and uh, it's it's not pretty. But uh, I have to say that the show is actually pretty good, and I have a lot of hope for it. So I'm looking forward to more episodes. I think it's on episode four now has been released as of this recording. So I think we've got uh, three or four more before the end of this uh, first season. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm really excited to watch this. I'm just going to wait until all of the episodes are finished i'd rather just be able to sit down and binge it my husband is watching it episodically just like you are and he he's using my account yeah <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> so i'm just gonna wait until y'all are done and then i'll just sit down and watch the whole thing from start to finish i think i would enjoy it a lot more that way but um i know both you and he told me that seven of nine is finally back and um i think that's what i most want to see yep. in Picard. and she's part of one of those horrible horrible scenes but you know, straight out of Saw, but she survives it. Good. That's all I need. <laughs> um, so to wrap up the rest of my Oscar catch up that I started talking about last month in Shooting the Flames, um, I finally caught what I consider to be the best two movies of 2019 before the Oscars. And those are Jojo Rabbit and Little Women. And I know that both of these are not horror films, obviously, but... Literally, I could not stop talking about these two movies. I recommended them to everybody, like, ad nauseum after I watched them. And I, everyone should go out and watch Jojo Rabbit and Little Women, for sure. Two of the best movies from 2019, if not the best. I can't, In fact, it's kind of hard for me to, like, say which one I liked most. I may have a tie for, like, number one for last year. Do you want to talk about a little bit what Jojo Rabbit's about? Yeah. So, Jojo Rabbit is about, um, it's a comedy about Nazis. And I didn't even want to watch this movie for that reason. I was like, oh, God, that just sounds terrible and, like, something I shouldn't be laughing at. But um, it's about a small kid who's very nationalist in Germany during World War II, and his imaginary best friend is Hitler. And so all this kid wants to be is a Nazi and to go fight in the war. And as it turns out, his mother is like an anti-Nazi sympathizer, and she is housing a Jew in their home. Well, it's directed by Taika Waititi, who, you know, obviously is is uh, loved in this nook or these nooks of our podcast. And, uh, of course, he is responsible for things like Thor Ragnarok, which we both loved, as well as what we do in the shadows, Mm -hmm. uh, which is famed in the horror space. So, yeah, uh, I definitely want to check that out. I'm kind of ashamed that I haven't already. But uh, unless it's streaming yet, I is it streaming? Yeah, I think you can purchase it or rent it VOD. Um but yeah, there's a lot of laughter through tears in this movie. Like I was really like guffawing with laughter watching it. It's it's just so good. The performance from that little kid is amazing. And I mean, oftentimes I think that like performances from young children 
I kind of hit or miss where you can like really give all those props to the director for getting it out of them. But this kid's a natural. I mean, he's he's good. He was great in this movie. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson was phenomenal in this movie, as was Taika Waititi playing Hitler. You know, it's not something that you would think of like laughing laughing at Hitler. But I mean, it was um, it was a really enjoyable, very touching movie. Yeah, and I suggest everyone go watch it. Little Women. Um, obviously it's based on the classic novel and it's like the gobbledygillianth version of it, but by far the best version of Little Women I've ever seen, directed by Greta Gerwig, who was robbed this year at the Oscars. She deserved a nomination for Best Director. And um, I mean, all the acting was phenomenal, especially Florence Pugh. You know, she got nominated for Best Supporting Actress for this and she was as good in this movie as she was in Midsummer, if not maybe just a little bit better in Little Women, I think. So lastly, I'm going to discuss a show that I actually just finished uh, called The Expanse. And I think we've talked about it a little bit uh, before on Shooting the Flames. And I think I had tried to watch it a couple of years ago and I just got to like episode four and I was like, can't do it. But we were also still in the middle of like Game of Thrones and all these other TV shows that were kind of wrapping up. So now that I've gotten past that, I decided to kind of revisit because it's just gotten such good reviews. The The story of the series is that it... Um, it was on Sci-Fi Channel, I guess, and um, it was there for three seasons. And it got canceled because of some weird distribution limitations that it had uh, internationally, and then it got picked up by Amazon Prime after um, a, a huge letter writing campaign by the fans, including a lot of um, uh, uh, celebrities uh, like Patton Oswalt and and uh, a bunch of other people. But um, if you really are needing to scratch that itch for something like Game of Thrones or Battlestar Galactica or Lovecraftian horror, it's all of those things combined into one. And after like the fourth or fifth episode and you make that kind of investment, much like all these other series we've been talking about that are starting up, this one is also based on uh, novels called Leviathan Wakes. Ooh. And it is absolutely outstanding. I'm, I'm convinced it's one of the best, if not the best, series on television right right now and amazon has picked up for season five which is uh, just wrapped filming i believe but it stars thomas jane oh, um, i love thomas jane yeah and Stephen Strait, um as well as a bunch of other people that are amazing but my favorite is uh shoray um agadashlu uh who was in i think she was a uh a, a professional witness a material witness i think in um the exorcism of uh emily rose and she's been in like the house instead of sand and fog. She's a Pakistani actress, but she plays like a leader of the government who cusses like a freaking sailor. And it's amazing to watch her work. <laughs> and she's so good in house of sand and fog. It just oh reminds God. me so much of game of Thrones and Battlestar and everything I loved about those, the politics and the tense intrigue and the action, as well as uh, what really in the show of game of Thrones should have been, this overarching horror, you know, that ends up kind of like, you know, collapsing like a flan in a cupboard or a fart in a wind, but <laughs> uh, some real uh, like sci-fi and horror and body horror that I have never seen on anything before and uh, pretty mind blowing stuff uh, as you go through it. No spoilers here, but I would definitely recommend watching this series because I'm not hearing enough people talk about it. And uh, it's, it's quite, quite amazing. Well, I mean, if you compare it to Battlestar Galactica, then I'm certainly on board because I wasn't really wanting to watch that. And we watched that together, right? Or at least bit, we started yeah. watching it together. Yeah. And 
I just loved it. So, you know, maybe I should uh, let my inner nerd out a little bit. Yeah. And all of those moments that you love from Battlestar Galactica are just as good and moments like that in The Expanse, as well as things like Game of Thrones. All those moments that you loved about Game of Thrones, all of that is in The Expanse. Like in, like I said, with some gigantic, epic, zoom out, galactic, cosmic, Lovecraftian horror. Which is cool. I'm all about really it. amazing. So, well, I have one more movie I wanted to talk about, and um, I know I hope that Chris is pleased with with this announcement because he and I have been friends for almost ten years, and he recommends a lot of things for me to watch, and I recommend a lot of things for him to watch, and he's a much better friend, and he watches a lot more things that I recommend than what he recommends to me. <laughs> so, um, last night I sat down and I watched. Snowpiercer. <laughs> Finally. God, it was so fucking good. Thank you. God damn it. <laughs> How was Tilda Swinton? Tilda Swinton was so good. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I'm officially on board with Tilda Swinton now. I, I withdraw everything no, yeah, that I have said Keep about your that woman. <laughs> so good in this movie she looks ridiculous and i love her now yeah <laughs> actually so i mean after watching um the suspiria remake and then seeing her in um uh, the dead don't die right she was like the one good thing about that movie and then watching her in this i was just like you know what i've been incredibly harsh on tilda i think i've been wrong <laughs> so i need to go back and rewatch some other tilda movies because because i love her now <laughs> So she's some of my favorite things about a lot of other like horror adjacent, um, like that Keanu Reeves movie. What was it uh, that she was in Constantine? And she plays like this androgynous. Uh, she was in Constantine. Yeah. Archangel. She plays Gabriel and wow. she's yeah. And she's so good in that. And um, now you need to see Dr. Strange. You really, really do. I do. I need to watch that. And I also haven't seen, we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> So I think she's in that movie, right? Yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what you think of that one. It's kind of a downer. So, well, I mean, I'm okay with a downer. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we need to have a longer conversation about Snowpiercer. So maybe one day we'll do that off mic and see if there's some interest in having an episode about it. Because I definitely thought oh, that it could be considered a horror adjacent movie. If like not a all of movie. his films. And I need to see um, his other big monster movie that he did. Oh, The Host? The I, Host is good. I need to see The Host. But there's just like any of his films, it seems like there's... A lot of depths to deep dive into, you know, so those are definitely candidates for um, our monthly deep dives. Yeah, I just I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. I think I gave it like four stars on Letterboxd only because I think I liked the first like two thirds of the movie more than the last. But um, but it was really enjoyable. And Chris Evans is good. He's a he's a talented actor. He is. I mean, yeah. I know we say that every time we see him in a movie. I'm well, you know, at least me. I'm like, I f- keep forgetting that he's not just a pretty face, you know, because he really doesn't have that pretty of a face in this movie. He's just acting. Yeah. So it was a, a fantastic movie. And so I apologize for not taking a recommendation a lot sooner. Um, I have to go watch more movies now that you've told me to watch. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Well, guys, I think that just about wraps up the Shooting the Flames episode for March. Um, Like we said at the beginning, we really appreciate all of your comments and questions. So keep those coming on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or even Instagram. And now Letterboxd. 
and now letterboxed as well as emailing us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com like nikki did thank you so much and you can call us on our hotline please at 972-666-7733 leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the air as you notice we didn't have a voicemail this month we'd really love to have one so call that number and leave us a message and we'll respond to it and we'd really love to read some more reviews in april for shooting the flames so head over to apple podcast leave us a little review and a five-star rating and we'll read that right here on shooting the flames we're glad that we got to list off a new patron this month and we'd like to have some more names to read off next month so head over to Patreon patreon.com slash the film flamers to find all of our bonus content and this month on patreon we are definitely going to be adding some new things uh this month we're actually beginning to be covering that movie that we talked about in our top 10 uh and history of slashers which is 13 women yeah i'm looking forward to seeing this one me too on the regular feed, though, we have some things coming for you. We're going to be deep diving into George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead. So um, last March, we covered Night of the Living Dead, and we're just pressing forward in the series. And we're also going to be giving you Dawn of the Dead remake by Zack Snyder. That's right. Two deep dives this month, guys. So uh, look forward to that. And like always, we'll have a hot take coming out. We're hoping to cover Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that, too. So, March should be an exciting month. So, guys, thank you for listening to Shooting the Flames. And until next time, sweet dreams. dreams.